It's good to be back in God's house this morning at Porchlight Baptist Church. Enjoyed that good singing. And uh, glad to have those who are here. Glad to have those watching online. And uh, it's a little, well, it looks better outside now. It was raining earlier, but we needed the rain. But uh, I tell you, it's, uh, it's good to be saved today. And uh, let's just get into the message this morning. Uh, we're going to continue on in our John Gospel of John sermon series. This will be part number three. And we're going to look at uh, John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 this morning, Lord willing. Or 6 through uh, 9, actually. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I know we've already covered these uh, in a way. But this morning we're going to focus our attention upon the man John the Baptist. And that's simply what the message is, is John the Baptist. John chapter 1, starting at verse 6, the Bible says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word this morning. Lord, we're asking for your help be able to preach this message, God, that it'll go out and do a mighty work in our hearts. And may we give you the glory and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's no doubt many great men and women in the Bible. Uh, I've preached sermon series on heroes of the Bible before. And, uh, of course, Jesus Christ being the greatest. I've got my podium all mixed up here. Let me back up a little bit. That's probably right in the middle of the camera. <laughs> but, uh, um, like I said, many uh, great Bible heroes. I don't usually call people in the Bible characters. I was listening to a message just this week, actually, someone talking about somebody being a Bible character. And it just doesn't seem right. It may be, um, you know, the correct way to use the word, but uh, I don't like it. I, I call them heroes because they're real people of the Bible and uh, in history. And so there's a lot of them. As you know, I preach many times on some of my favorite, Elijah being one of them, his boldness, how he got in the face there of the king. And um, then we, we know all the story of him. Uh, the Apostle Paul, of course, being one of my great Bible heroes, all the things that he did. Uh, king David, a man after God's own heart. Uh, I could go on and on talking about all these people that are Bible heroes that I really like. Uh, but if there's one in particular that I would like to base my life upon or my ministry upon, it would be John the Baptist. And that's who we're talking about this morning is John the Baptist. Look at verse 6 again, John chapter 1, verse 6. The Bible says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, one thing you're going to notice throughout uh, the Gospel of John is that John, the, the human penman of this book, the writer, he does not ever call him John the Baptist. Uh, other gospel writers do. Over in uh, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke all call him John the Baptist. However, in the Gospel of John, he simply refers to him as John. And, of course, he is a baptizer, of course. That's where his name comes from. It's because he baptized there in, in the river. Uh, and But... Uh, Another thing I want you to remember is that the human penman John, the writer, also never refers to himself by his name, in his own name, in his writing either. As we know, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved and, 
and uh, that apostle and things like that. But he never gives his his name himself in his writing. I'm sorry, I've got something here. It's either on my glasses or something. Uh, but notice here in our in our opening text, the Bible says there was a man sent from God. Sent. That word sent right there is was translated from a Greek word apostello. Apostello. Uh, which is where we get, of course, our word apostle from. One, that's what it means. One who is sent from God. That's what apostle is. Uh, John wasn't just born. He was purposely sent for a reason. And we can see that reason and that purpose in the scripture. In fact, in our opening text there, in verses 7 and 8, we're given the reason that John was sent. Look at it there. Start in verse 7. The same, referring to John, came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Did you see what it said three times? He came to bear witness. That was John's ministry, to bear witness of Christ. Now, Christ, of course, being the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that Israel was waiting on. All the Jews were waiting on the Messiah to come and set up an earthly kingdom. That They all were. And this is what John came preaching is he's coming. He's bearing witness to that light. And again, light with a capital L, as we talked about last time, is a means it's referring to a, a, a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, further down in verses 19 through 28, we see the religious crowd that's questioning John on who he is and what his purpose for being there is. And listen to what he tells them. John 1 and 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah there is spelled with an E because that's the Greek rendering of, of the name. But that's what he's talking about. And so he says, I'm the one that Isaiah prophesied about that would come a voice crying in the wilderness. And of course, this religious crowd here, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And he's, that's from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. The Bible says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now that being that Old Testament prophecy, that was, what, 600 years? Six or 700 years, something like that, from the time John came preaching, uh, from the time it was prophesied. And that's who it was referring to. And so, uh, in ancient days when kings were going on a journey, they had to go from one city to another or country to another, they always sent out ahead of time, whether it was months, weeks, or, or days needed, whatever long the journey was, they sent out workers before the king went, and they would clear the highway. It's called the king's highway. And they would clear it of any debris, any rocks, they would fill in any holes, they would even level off hills if they were in the way. And so they were going to make the, the road straight, the way straight. Uh, that's what they did in ancient days. Well, John is teaching and preaching the same thing, only they're not talking about the physical road for the Messiah to come in on. They're talking about the spiritual one. So what he's preaching is that Israel needs to remove the spiritual obstacles that are in the way, hindering the Messiah from being able to uh, reach them, for them being able to enter into his kingdom. And so that's why he came preaching, as it says in Matthew 3, 1 and 2. It says, In those days came John the Baptist, 
preaching the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John came to bear witness of the light, the light being Jesus, Jesus being the Christ, Christ being the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one is coming to set up a kingdom. And so John saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, a lot of times God was referred to as heaven by the Jews. They would they would simply say heaven instead of saying God. They, they didn't say the name God. Uh, but preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, both Mark and Luke state that John the Baptist preached baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, that does not mean people were baptized to forgive their sins. Baptism has never forgiven sins at any period uh, in, in all the world, in all of history. Baptism has never uh, forgave sins. It's always a sign that your sins have been forgiven. So they repent, and that don't mean they feel sorry for them. It don't mean they come and say, well, John, I've done some things, and I feel real bad about it, and so, yeah, baptize me. That is not what this means. This was genuine repentance. They wanted to turn from their sinful ways and turn to God to prepare their hearts for the coming Messiah who was coming to set up a kingdom. Now, the Jews were always looking for an earthly kingdom. And that's exactly what Christ could have done when he came that first time is establish an earthly kingdom. What does the Bible say? He came into his own and his own received him not. So because of that, there's no earthly kingdom that was set up. Now, he is going to come back in the future time and set up and establish that earthly kingdom. We refer to that as the millennial kingdom, which is a thousand year reign of Christ on the throne there uh, in Jerusalem, on the, on the throne of David. And so uh, that is going to be when the Messiah will set up a kingdom here on earth. But all these Jews, every Jew knew that the Messiah was coming and he, every believer would reside in that kingdom. And so John the Baptist says, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the Messiah is on his way. He's coming. Be looking for him. You need to clear out all your spiritual obstacles. It's, it's hindering that sin that's in your heart. And turn from it and turn to God for forgiveness. And then they get baptized as an outward sign that I have repented and I am looking for that Messiah. Now, there's a lot of people that get all... Uh, they get all disturbed whenever somebody says, well, you know, Old Testament people were looking toward the cross and New, Te and New Testament people looking back toward it to get saved and all that. The Bible doesn't give that theology at all. Uh, but however, these people that believed in him did believe in the Messiah that was coming to set up a kingdom. And so they were looking for him. And that's what John has come preaching. This man you've been looking for, the Messiah, he is on his way and you need to be ready. Uh, I want to read you what the other gospel writers, how they introduced John, uh, so we can see they all pretty much state the same ministry that he had. Uh, some have a few more details than others. For example, Luke Luke gives a lot more details because that's the way he is. He's detail-oriented. Everything that you read in the gospel of Luke and Acts, he's very detailed, gives lots of information, sets the time period, lets you know when it took place. But over in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3, uh, in the introduction of, of John, Matthew writes this. He says, in those days came John the Baptist. See, there he's, he says John the Baptist. Now, in, in the Gospel of John, it just says a man was sent from God whose name was John. He didn't say John the Baptist. 
because that was not his name, actually. His name was not John the Baptist. That's just what they referred to him as. Uh, but it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There it is again. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. There we see it. Again, exactly what John was saying there in John chapter 1, down there in, what was it, verse 23, when they were questioning him, who are you? What's your purpose? And he says, I'm the one that Isaiah said was coming. The one crying with voice, crying in the wilderness. And then in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it says, The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness, and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. There again is his purpose. He came to pre preach repentance, to, to bear witness of the light, the light being Jesus, Jesus being the Christ, Christ being the Messiah, the anointed one, the one they were waiting on. And so, there again, the, uh, Mark, the gospel writer, backs it up. He says he came in the, uh, there. He's the one crying in the wilderness. All right, now look at Luke, Luke chapter 3, verses 2 through 6. And as I said, Luke gives us a little more um, details. He says, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest. Now, stop right there for a second. See, it gives us the time period of when this took place during the, the reign of these two high priests. Now, uh, Israel only had one high priest. The Caiaphas, or Annas, I'm sorry, was the, the first one, I believe. And uh, he got ousted, I believe, by Rome. And the Jews took another one, Caiaphas, and, uh, but they still were seen on equal levels. So, so they still looked up to both these men as their high priest. And so Luke includes these names here to tell us who was there and ruling at the time. He, he, keeps, he continues on. Uh, the high priest, the word of God, came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. There again, verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And you see, there in verse 5, Luke told us what they did before when a king was coming. All those things he said. But then in verse 6, it all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So, he's not referring to a physical road. He's speaking of a spiritual road that must be clean, must be ready, prepared. So, there's no doubt John was a great and powerful man. Um... He probably could have done anything in this world that he wanted to do in this life. He could have been very popular. He was popular uh, in a sense. Uh, he didn't have the world's popularity, but those that were seeking for, for the truth and seeking for the Messiah, they were flocking out to see him. There were others that came, people that were religious. They came out in droves to see what was going on. But he had the ability to draw people now. When Christ is lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. And that's what John's doing. He's lifting Christ up. He's bearing witness to the light. So 
If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So John's lifting him up and he's drawing all men unto him because he's preaching about that one that's coming, Christ. But how many preachers do you know would go out in the middle of the wilderness to preach? That's not what they teach in seminary. Trust me, I've been through two of them. I've never heard that. I've never heard anybody say, you need to go out in the middle of nowhere and start preaching and people just come out there to hear you. That, that's not what they say. And so most people today, what they think to be successful as a pastor or leader is they have to have a big building full of a lot of people, have a parking lot packed and, and running over and bring chairs out and all that stuff like that. Well, that's not, that's not uh, the truth. Um, in today's thinking, though, that's what they think to be successful. And they can draw people. Uh, they had people drawn last night for a trunk or treat at a church close to us, thousands of people. At a trunk or treat. I'll preach about that some other time. But John did the opposite of what people today think is popular. His purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus. And so just in John's day, the day in which we live in, is also we have the same calling to prepare the way for Jesus. By preaching the same message, repent and turn to God to be born again, turn to Christ. So, God began working in John's life even before he was even born. While he was in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth, Luke also tells us about that. He writes this in his gospel, Luke chapter 1, verse 41. It says, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, which is, by the way, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So there we see one of the first mentions of someone being filled with the Holy Ghost in the New Testament. And the reason being, why? Because the son that was in her womb, not yet born, he was born six months before Jesus was, but he was in the womb when Mary came into the room, and she also had Jesus in her womb, uh, and so it's when John knew that the, the Messiah was there, he left in the womb. The Holy Ghost filled his own mother there, Elizabeth. And aren't you glad that John's parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were pro-life? Aren't you glad they were pro-life and not pro-choice or pro-murder like people are today? Uh, I wonder how many of the 63 million babies that's been aborted since 1973 were being sent for a purpose to prepare the way, and uh, they were taken out before they even left their mother's womb. Uh, there was about approximately 400-year period between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. So it was the book of Malachi over the book of Matthew, which Matthew was not really the first book written in the New Testament. However, uh, the New Testament and the Old Testament separated by approximately 400 years. And you hear people say, well, God had 400 years of silence. Well, he may not have had anything written in his word at the time, but he was not sitting down, relaxing, and, and taking a, a break. Uh, he was busy, busy preparing and uh, preparation for when his son would come, the Messiah would come to this earth. Uh, so he was working toward that. And John the Baptist if you study out his life and you study the life of the prophets of the Old Testament, I mean, it's almost as if they, somebody took and grabbed him out of the Old Testament and said, come over here into the New Testament. It's like he's a bridge over to, to it. Um, 
In fact, his, his ministry is mentioned there in the last book of the Bible, in Malachi. Uh, in Malachi 3 and 1, the Bible says, Behold, I'll send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So there in the last book of the Bible, we see John the Baptist's ministry mentioned, and then we see him over in the first book of the Bible in the New Testament as he comes to prepare the way. Now, uh, listen to what Jesus said about John. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 through 11, and there's a lot of people at that time, a lot of hubbub going on, um, questions about John the Baptist and Jesus and their ministry and how they overlapped and, and all these things. And Jesus comes, and in Matthew 11 and 7, it says, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, because they had questions about him and his mo modes and methods and all that. He said, What went you out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind. But what went you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Now, stop for a second. Why is he saying things like this? Well, if you remember, when the people come out to hear John preach repentance and remission of sins, he called them vipers. Uh, especially the religious crowd. He called them vipers. We'll, we'll read that here in just a moment. But he was he didn't hold anything back. He let her rip. And so the people, they probably were looking for a more sophisticated spokesperson. You know, well, Malachi could not be talking about this rough guy out there. He, I mean, look at him. He is obviously something wrong with him. He's uh, wearing, um, what, what does he wear? Um, uh, camel hair and a, a leather belt. And he ate locusts and wild honey. <laughs> and so... Uh, they were probably looking for a more sophisticated forerunner to Christ. And so Jesus asked him, what, you looking for somebody out here in soft raiment? Somebody clothed in, in soft raiment? Uh, somebody that would a reed shaking the wind? In other words, somebody that's wishy-washy and, and you can, you can you know, bend them any way that you want. He says, is that what you're looking for? Verse 9, but what went you out to see a prophet? Yay. I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus is uh, kind of giving it to these people. He said, look here, I don't know what you're looking for, but a real prophet, this is him. There's not been a man greater been born by a woman that's come that's uh, better, greater than him. And, uh, you know, because of some of these things that's said in here about comparing him to Elijah and Jeremiah and, and Christ and all, and John had to defend himself, or not really defend himself, but explain that he was not any of those. Um but yet, despite that fact, despite what's written in the Bible, we still have people today that want to claim that John the Baptist was indeed Elijah. That he was Elijah reincarnated. That's not so. In fact, we read from the Bible the truth. John chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. 
It says, And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So right there, right up front, he says, I am not the Christ, the Messiah. I'm not the one. And they ask him, What then? Art thou Elias? Mean Elijah. He said, I am not. See that? I am not. Art thou that prophet? Now that prophet's referring to Jeremiah, is who that means. And he answered, No. I am not Christ. I'm not Elijah. And I'm not Jeremiah. He said it right up there up front. Also, when the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah, John's father, he said this in Luke 1 and 17, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, we know that's what Elijah did. He also prepared the people for the things of the Lord that were coming. He come and would warn them there's going to be uh, no rain. There's going to be a drought and all that. And he told them when it was going to rain. But uh, the, uh, Gabriel told John's father, he says, Now, your son that's going to be born, he's coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's not Elijah. He's coming in his spirit. In other words, the same type of spirit. So, John is a type of Elijah. Uh, he preached in his spirit and power. And he really did it big time. Listen to how he preached to that religious crowd. Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 through 12. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the tree. Trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. So, John, he definitely preached in the spirit and power of Elijah there in, in the face of these religious people. Now, this was dangerous for him to get in the face of the religious people, the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were the ones that had, they, they ruled the law. I mean, if they wanted to, they could have found something on John or tried or made something up like they did with Jesus. Could have made something up on him. You know, had him arrested and stoned and everything else. So, this was not some small thing John was doing. Now, we know that later on, of course, when he confronted King Herod, when Herod had uh, an affair with his brother's wife, Philip, Philip, his brother, his wife was Herodias, and he married her. And John the Baptist, when he found out about it, he got right in his face and he said, you're unlawful. What you've done is unlawful. 
And this made Herodias so mad that she swore right then she's going to have him killed. And she, of course, we all know the story. She made the plot there at the at the party and got uh, Herod all drunk and had her daughter go out there and, and dance for him and all this and said, now you go tell him, you know, he'll give you whatever you want. Tell him that you want John the Baptist's head and the charger. And so that's what happened. And, and Herod, he did it. He had him killed in prison, killed, had his head cut off. Put in a charger, and uh, he regretted it after that. After he'd sobered up, but uh, still, um, John he was not afraid to back down. He got right in. If it was wrong, he was right there telling you it's wrong. And so, yes, he preached in the spirit and the power of Elijah, but he was not a reincarnated Elijah, as some people wrongly believe. And probably the most striking thing about John that you could say. His most redeeming quality was his humility of all things. He knew that he was simply a voice to cry out in the wilderness. He wasn't looking to be great. He wasn't looking for people to praise him. Although he had his own disciples that followed him just like Jesus did, he was not looking for them. All he was doing was a job, and he knew that. And he, he adamantly expressed, I'm not the Christ, I'm not Elijah, I'm not that prophet Jeremiah. But we know from, and we'll study it more when we get into chapter 3, when the followers were seeing everybody going to Jesus, the flocks going to him, and they came to John asking about it and said, look, everybody's you know following him. Is this, is this, what's going on? And John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. So we see John's humility. A lot of people in his position would have said, well, we're not going to let this happen. I'll, I'll do something about this. Uh, not not uh, John. He says, no, He's, this, is, this is why I came. That man right there that everybody's flocking to, go to him because that's who I've been preaching about. And so uh, I want to stop right here this morning. There's so much more to cover where John the Baptist is concerned. And we'll get to it eventually. Uh, this study and, and through John is going to take us a while, as you can tell, uh, but it's going to be worth it. Uh, I love getting down to the nitty-gritty of things like this and, and, and discovering all these wonderful things again, or, or some, some of them you're not discovering, but you're uh, rediscovering. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father of God, we thank you so much for the message this morning. I pray, God, that it's been helpful. And, Lord, I pray that it's been your will, Lord, that everything that we've said and done, and, Lord, that you're pleased with what we've done. God, I thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to be able to stand behind the pulpit and preach. And for those that listen, Lord, not for me, but, Lord, to to share your wonderful word, God, and to uh, for it to go out into this world, Lord, all over the all over the world, and uh, reach those that, that are lost. And Lord, we thank you for all the things you've given us, all the blessings uh, that you've bestowed upon us. May we never forget that. Help us, Father, those um, that are lost today. I pray that you'll, you'll allow us to be able to reach them in some way, God, whatever means that you would have us to do. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.